Hello and welcome to May I Have This Dance, a podcast from the Human Awareness Institute or Hi Among Friends. We're here because we love having real, rich, juicy conversations with people. We strip down with the people we interview, figuratively and only sometimes literally, to the undercurrent of what it means to be human through the lens of love, intimacy, and sexuality. As an organization, Hi is a place to explore and embrace our humanness. Obviously, a podcast can't replace our workshops, but we do hope that in these interviews, you're able to catch a glimpse of who we are and what we do. Shall I get started with the interview? Let's do it. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of May I Have This Dance. In this episode, I'm talking to my friend Siobhan, who did something absolutely extraordinary. She went through a, um, a difficult breakup with a person she thought she was going to marry. Her response to that was she decided, instead of marrying this, this other person, to marry herself. And in this episode, I'm exploring with her um, what that meant to her and, and why she decided to do that. I'm so excited to share this with you. And um, yeah, I don't know why I'm even still talking. <laughs> Let me share this with you now. Thank you. I'm here with my guest, and I would like to start by asking you what your name is and what your preferred pronouns are. Sure. Um, I'm Siobhan Doherty, and I'm she, her. I've known you for a couple of years, maybe, and kind of walked around in the same circles for a bit and and been kind of on the periphery of friendship uh, for a while, and that's been super awesome. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do? Uh, sure. I am uh, an actor primarily, uh, but I've managed to turn that into lots of other things. So I do all the strange acting gigs you could possibly imagine, um, and some not so strange. I teach kids drama. Uh, I work as a as a standardized patient for medical students to help them learn how to talk to people better. Um, I've started recently working with companies to help managers figure out how to hold difficult conversations um, and practicing role plays in low stakes situations so that then when they're dealing with an employee, they have a better chance at, you know, good communication. Um, Yeah, so I'm an actor and it's turned into just lots of strange side projects as well. But it sounds then that you're using all these things to mostly in the name of communication. So figuring out how to communicate with others, figuring out how to help others communicate. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's a lot of what my, my job is. And I, I think it's, I think it's really fun to, to do that kind of work because it's fun for me to get up on stage, of course, and communicate and tell a story to an audience and be part of that kind of conversation. But it's also really fun for me to do these role play exercises where I'm, I'm fostering communication skills for other people. And, um, yeah, people are always very, um, it seems to be very useful for them. So where are you from? Where do you live? How do you fit into the world? (laughs) Uh, Well, I I grew up in Palo Alto. And right now I live in North Berkeley. And, uh, yeah, I... um, I used to live in New York for many years. I wanted to study acting and I wanted to be in the center where 
all the important drama gets made. And so I, I loved my time out there, but then I felt like it was too cold and also kind of a rat race. And I wanted to see what it would be like to do it out here and have it be a little more personal and have the community be a little stronger. And that's what I've found is that because the pond is smaller out here for theater, you can actually get to know people and you can um, feel like you have a community much more easily than I think in New York. I'm I'm spending a lot of time thinking about community at the moment and um, how people fit into communities, how you foster community, how you build communities or how you find community and things like that. Um, what, what brought you back, or how did you find your place in your communities here? Yeah, well, when I first came back from New York, I, I had all of the like hustle from New York, where you, you have to reach out to people to get auditions, and you have to be very proactive. And so I was very proactive when I got out here. Um, and... Theater is kind of a magical way to create community. I mean, it's one of the easiest. Like, all of a sudden you're in a play, and then you have this little family, and then you do another play, and you have another little family, and then you keep having these groups of people that come together and apart, and, you know, it just becomes a network really quickly. I think that theater is kind of special in that way, and... um I, I wouldn't say I know a lot about how to create it outside of that because that's where all of my community has come from. Um, I did a little bit of um, stage fighting for a while in <laughs> yeah. theater world, but I can't believe how quickly those how quickly those really really tight bonds are made. You know, you become really close friends with those people incredibly quickly. Yeah, and that feels beautiful. You know, it's it's uh, having access to that and knowing that you walk into a room, you know, maybe one person or two people. And then by the end of it, you will have a pretty close-knit connection with all the people in that space. Yeah. And as you dissipate to the winds, um, you can hang on to the connections that you that you enjoyed the most. Yeah, yeah. and you really um, put yourself out there when you're in a show because you're vulnerable, you're on stage. Um, and ideally, in a perfect world, you're revealing something of yourself, and everybody is. And so that creates a lot of um, good bonds. And, and even bad shows that, that have issues can, can are, become like war stories. I mean, one of my friends, I became friends with her. She, she was in the first play that I did out here, which was back in 2010, I think. And, and she's remained my close friend since then, even though it was a terrible production of Taming of the Shrew. <laughs> That's it, amazing. It was like based around a motorcycle gang, and it was just like not very well thought out, and and yeah. I mean, diversity drives people together as much as as <laughs> anything else, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Um, I think there's something interesting as well in that you mentioned vulnerability as one of the important aspects of of being able to communicate properly and connecting with humans in a in a as an act uh, as an actor. Yeah, and I'm. I'm thinking about that a lot at the moment as well in terms of how um, that kind of intimacy comes from the vulnerability that comes there. Um, and that, that is true both if you're on stage but also interpersonally, right? If you have a, a heart-open conversation with someone about what is really going on in your life, that is a much better way of really connecting on an interpersonal level than if you just go, well, the weather is great and whatever, you know? Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm actually interested to learn a little bit more about how that shows up for you in your life. I think that your ability to do that offstage um, 
they're they're related. So your ability to do that on stage is going to be much greater if you also have an ability to do that off stage. And and the value that I've gotten from being able to show up on stage um, in an in an honest way, uh, you know, tr- trans- they both mirror each other and they both work together. And I think that, um, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about how to how to kind of cultivate those that kind of honesty and that kind of vulnerability and. It's not always easy, but... But I guess what what my question really was trying to get to is whether you actively choose to be vulnerable or is that just part of your personality, you think? Hmm. That's a good question. Um... Because I know it's possible to actively choose not to be vulnerable, right? You can clam up and decide to be like, just keep up your shields. But yeah, yeah, I was wondering if you had any thoughts about that. Yeah, I, I do think that it is a goal of mine and it is something that I choose. I do think that it comes a little more naturally to me than than other people. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both. But it is something that I choose to do and, and think about how to do. And one of the ways that it's most challenging for me is when it comes to like confronting someone or or, you know, being honest about something that doesn't sit well with you and that's always been such a struggle for me to be able to really do that because I want everything to be pleasant and I want to make people feel good when I'm with them and I have an entertainer gene so I want everybody to have a very fun time Um, so I do choose to do that and in some ways it comes really naturally and in some ways I have to work at it but it's usually good when I am able to be honest with people about like how I'm really feeling, especially if it's kind of confrontational, because then we can get through it and come to the other side. And that's really the only way you can, you can do that. So that's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I invited you on the podcast because you, um, a little while ago did something, uh, quite extraordinary. Um, and I think I know, uh, I think you know what I'm referring to Yeah. and I would love for you to, um, Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, gosh, in in July, uh, I I married myself. I I decided to marry myself in when May, I think. Um, but uh, speaking of vulnerable things to do, that was definitely pretty high up there on the being vulnerable <laughs> front. Um, I started off thinking that it might be really small. It might just be like a handful of friends and I do a ceremony. And then as it kept like getting closer and closer, it just kind of kept building steam and it it kind of got a life of its own and, and it ended up being like a much bigger affair than I had expected. Um, but it, it was it was really, truly magical. <laughs> so... Um, I haven't looked at the California statues, but is it legal to marry yourself? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I think that a fun aspect of marrying myself has meant that uh, when I'm explaining it to people, I've gotten a lot of interesting questions like, okay, well, if you're marrying yourself, uh, does that mean that if, you're with, if you marry someone else that you'd have to divorce yourself? Um, 
or are you cheating on yourself if you're with someone else and questions like that. And I always think that's really surprising. I, I get it. I get why people ask. But when you think about the sim- symbology of that, divorcing yourself. Yeah. That sounds pretty uh, Can you harrowing. Can you imagine? Sorry, me. It's not working out. It's yeah. not me. It's me. Yeah, exactly. Like, it just sounds like such a terrible idea to divorce yourself. And also, is that what you have to do to marry someone else? You have to divorce yourself? I mean, you ideally are coming into it as a whole person. Mm-hmm. And, 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 then, and then it's adding to that. And so the idea that you have to, like, put all these parts of yourself aside, I don't know. I, I found it really interesting, the... To look at it kind of as a metaphor. Well, and especially the, in, in, in common parlance, there is like a very common, like, oh, you have to love yourself before you can love somebody else. Yeah. Which in itself feels a little bit like bullshit. Yeah. But, you know, this is the extension of that, I think. And I feel like marriage as a legal ceremony is one thing, but making a real concerted, very loud dedication yeah. to the world saying, hey, yeah. I love me. Yeah. That is a beautiful thing. And that is um, what brought you to that point. That feels like a really like a really bold and wonderful thing to, to yeah. Even conceive of. Yeah. Well, um, I was it was born out of some pain. I mean, it was born out of a breakup uh, of a long term relationship. And in the immediate aftermath, I was feeling really sad because I was thinking about marriage and I was thinking I was talking to a friend who said, um, who, who, to whom I said, what if I never get married? And she was like, well, why don't you just marry yourself? And then all of a sudden, after she said that, like something clicked for me. You're like, yeah, why don't I? Yeah, why don't I? I don't have a good reason why not to marry myself. It, it, all of a sudden it started clicking for me because it felt like what you're saying about um, this commitment, this idea of if you think of it as a commitment and you're, you're saying to yourself, like, I'm committed to you. We're in it, like, through thick and thin. Because I felt like I really had maybe abandoned myself in some ways or let myself down in some really major ways. And I needed to do something really big and dramatic to show myself that, like, that I was actually there for myself and that I could be there for myself and that I was committed to this, um, even though I may have made some mistakes. Or Until death myself. do you part. <laughs> what? Until death do you part. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing is, like, yeah, it's it's not going to... This marriage is, you know, like, I don't have much of a choice. Like, we're in it, so I may as well commit to it. What do you think you learned from making an active choice to... So was it a choice to marry yourself or was it a choice to 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 love yourself? Where where how how does this sit in your mind? <laughs> yeah. Um well, after I had had the idea or my friend had the idea and then it kind of took hold, I I realized that it was doing lots of things for me. I mean, it was giving me something really positive to look forward to in a time when I could be thinking a lot about loss instead I was thinking of like what I was creating with myself. And, and that was like just a very positive thing to be doing. And so it was that it was, um, it was wanting to make a commitment and it was really wanting to force myself in a way to think about my relationship with myself. Because when you publicly marry yourself, you know, and you have the lead up and you buy a wedding dress and you buy a ring and you do all these things and you think about them, it, it, 
it makes that a high priority thing. How am I treating myself? What is my relationship with myself? And so I did a lot of, um, m you know, more processing and thinking about it than I would have otherwise if I if I didn't do that. And I think um, at the end of the day, the marriage, the way I see it is that I'm married to myself in that um, I'm here with me, I'm committed to myself and my having a good relationship with myself, like an unconditionally loving relationship with myself, which is hard to say, but is, but is really what I want and what I committed to. Um, Why is that hard to say? I think, I think having, because I'm very hard on myself and I, I think that um, I have a very hard time accepting, one of the big things that I worked on was self-acceptance and especially self-acceptance of the parts of me that I don't like so much. And that bit is hard. That bit is very hard. And there's a lot of me that I would much rather just, you know. And the inner critic is loud. Yes. It is extremely loud and it's very hard to turn off. And yes. I think there is something, there's something brutal about the way we treat ourselves. Yeah. There's so many things that I would, that I strongly dislike about myself. Yeah. That in a friend I would totally accept. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or like, well, that's just a quirk of you. That's fine. It's, you know, yeah. I like you anyway kind of thing. Yeah. But doing that yeah. to yourself is, yeah. is a very hard thing to do. Have you noticed anything has changed in yourself? Do you sometimes catch yourself and go, oh, that's my, do you call yourself your wife? <laughs> well, that's, that's funny you should ask. Yeah. Um, I, I, I read about a woman who did this, like an artist from the 90s who did this. And she said she is her own partner. No, she is her own wife. Uh, and if she marries someone else, she's going to be their partner. And and that sat really well with me. Mm -hmm. The idea that I can be my own wife. I can take care of myself or, you know, wife is a very kind of loaded term. But I can be someone else's partner. And that's how I see it. I don't see it as like, yeah, that I, that I couldn't be with someone else. But... But, uh, yeah, I do see it as being my own wife. I, in terms of how things have changed, I think one thing that's changed is that it does help me ease up on the on the being hard on myself, and it, it does help me with the self-acceptance. Um, and I, I think that what I've realized is all of my relationships, everyone's relationships stem from their relationship with themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is the baseline. Right. And then you have relationships with other people. And how you're treating yourself has a major impact on those relationships, who you choose to keep in your life and, and, and how you let them treat you mm -hmm. or how you um, in, put things out on other people or put the pain that you're feeling out onto other people. And I didn't want to do that. I, I really wanted to like heal myself so that I could um, and be okay with myself so that I could not you know, put other people through that. Um, and so that I could attract, you know, and like keep people in my life that are supporting me in that way. Well, it feels like a way of being much more healthy about boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. um, your own, those you have to others. Yeah. And, you know, where, um, what the intersection is. Because I think if you're just on your own always, that is probably not healthy. But it's only really in the intersection with other people where where you start doubting yourself really deeply in, in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to work it out with other people. And I think that coming from a foundation of, of, of self-acceptance, um, really, really helps. And, and so much of the things that we do to like impress other people or, 
or like compete with other people or so many of those things are just wrapped up in our own neuroses. And if we work on that first, I think, I think we can just let other people be as they are more. We can be at peace with people. I mean, like my mom shares some qualities that I do and they drive me crazy because they're like things I do. Damn it. That's me except older. Yeah. And so it really gets under my skin, but the more I can accept myself, the more I can also accept her being the way she is. And, and that has been really helpful. Um, so does that mean that you've basically said there is no way of living life without being polyamorous at this point? <laughs> because it sounds like you're kind of walking down that path if you want to or not. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. I, I'm, I'm both serious about the marriage in that it's like it was a really big event for me and, and I took it seriously. But I also did kind of have a sense of humor about it. I mean... I'm not legally married to myself. I I I think of it more symbolically than, morally married to yourself than that. But but I will say, yeah, I will say that uh, since going on this journey, I've been meeting a lot of polyamorous people that are really opening up my eyes around that. <laughs> but I don't know that that's totally related to the marriage. So tell me more about the ceremony itself. Who turned up? Did somebody marry you? Yeah. Where was it? Yeah. Was yeah. it wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I felt like if, if I was going to exercise, um, so, so it was twofold. The marriage was both like, I want to do this for me because I want to commit to myself, but it was also feeling the societal pressure, pressure to be married. Um, and I think in particular as a woman. And so part of me was like, I want to get that out of my system. So I'll just marry myself and get that out of my system and not feel like I'm an incomplete person without it. So I did the whole nine yards. I mean, I booked a venue. I went to John Hinkle Park in Berkeley. I bought a dress, um, like, a, like a real legit wedding dress. Uh, I invited about 40 people. Luckily, they're theater people, so they were lovely and they totally got on board. Um, did your parents come? My mom really wanted to come, but she was traveling and she... She she was really proud of me though, and and she was, uh, like wished that it was something that she could have done for herself when she was in times like that. I think that's um, beautiful. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I I I had all those people there. My, some some friends from college like flew up. I had bridesmaids. I had um, in addition to bridesmaids, I had flower men. So I had about like five bridesmaids and five flower men who created like a little flower petal circle and in the middle and my friend Tamara um, officiated it and and she's very witchy you know for lack of a better word and so we invoked spirits and we had like sage I mean it was a very California affair this was in Berkeley right this was in Berkeley <laughs> yeah yeah it was an extremely Berkeley situation I mean these these cliches don't write themselves yeah but I think it's wonderful I think it's yeah. truly deeply wonderful to to decide to do that and I think my body kind of needed to have a ceremony I couldn't just say I was married to myself, I think I really needed to go through the process of gathering all the people and going through the words and the motions and all these things. And then for the, for the vows, I mean, I, I proposed to myself about a month before it happened. Were you I, nervous? I was very nervous, <laughs> but I knew I would say yes. So I wasn't that nervous, but I, but I wrote up myself like a little letter about things I love about myself. And then I included those in my vows and um, my my one of my dear friends from middle school uh, flew up, held a mirror 
up to me and I, I said my vows to myself in, in front of this, like into this mirror in, in front of these 40 people. And, and I felt a little bit terrified right before that happened because I was like, wow, I've really done this. Like I've really actually gone through with this. This was an idea up until now. And then I'm walking down like the aisle and saying these words and like this deep, deeply personal vows in front of all these people. Um, uh, but, but they were lovely and they cheered me on and, and they all came to my house afterwards and, and we had a, like a little reception with karaoke and we just, a cake, a cake with just, just you, uh, just a little ride on it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And my dog, someone walked my dog down the aisle. I mean, it was just, it was, it was very special. So what effects has this had on people around you? Um, well, one, one thing that I get kept hearing during the day itself was that more people kind of wished that they could do something like this for themselves or that they needed to hear that message of like unconditional love and acceptance that like when I said that to myself in front of everyone, a lot of people started crying and that it, that it really resonated with people. A lot of people resonated with it and my friend Margaret thinks that it's going to be a movement. I, I do think that in some pockets it is. Uh, I Someone forwarded me an article about women in Japan who are marrying themselves because they feel that, like, the role of a wife over there is so, like, you're doing double duty, and so it's so strict, and and it just doesn't feel right to, to them. So they're marrying themselves to say, well, I'm going to be with me, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to, you know be self-sufficient and and not be stuck in this like societal mode of how I should be and and uh, I think that's great and I and I think that that was another reason I wanted to do this was kind of you know marriage is has all this baggage around it and it's this you know it, it can be this really terrible patriarchal institution and so I kind of wanted to just upend it a little bit right. and say fuck you <laughs> to that whole thing yeah well, it's, it's actually interesting. I've had some friends who gotten married recently and, you know, the, the only, I don't feel qualified to give people advice about marriage, <laughs> but the one thing I do encourage people to do is like, hey, if you are in a, if you're in a poly relationship, there's a lot of talking about what the boundaries are, what the expectations are, what the intentions are, etc. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with doing that, even if the, the intention is there for this to be a monogamous marriage, just because get it out there right you mm-hmm. there's something really weird that happens when you inherit a thousand years of preconceptions about what it means to be married to someone mm-hmm. and you know especially if you come from different cultures but even you know in this respect everybody comes from different cultures right everybody yeah. had different parents yeah um and against that backdrop it just means that Everybody has slightly different uh, con- preconceptions of what's okay, what's not okay, what the what the um, where the rubber hits the road, essentially. Right. And I think there's something really useful about learning how to communicate properly and how to just lean into the hey, I'm not going to make any assumptions about what our relationship is going to be. Mm-hmm. I am going to talk to you about it, and if we end up on a, you know. Uh, a template of a 1940s we- uh, marriage, <laughs> that is fine, but at least we decided that consciously yeah. rather than just inheriting it all. 
Yeah, I, I agree so much. I think that there's this cookie cutter mold and we just assume that, you know, we can fit into it or that our relationship should fit into it, especially if it's a monogamous, you know, married relationship. And I, yeah, I've been having a lot of conversations with, you know, polyamorous people who question those. And I, I totally agree. I think people who are not in those kinds of relationships should still question it. And I think that um, I've been recently introduced to Esther Perel. Have you heard of her? Yeah. yeah. And and I think uh, I, I'm not too deep into her work, but from what I've learned so far, she really helps people think through a lot of the ways that they're communicating and the way their relationship is and yeah. helping them to question it and I think that that work is really important. She's definitely one of my dream guests for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, maybe for season two. Uh, yeah. That's wonderful. Um, have you had romantic partners since you got married to yourself? <laughs> yeah. I I have I have had a strange like reintroduction. It's been good, but it's been a little bit strange to to date. I I specifically also wanted the marriage to be kind of a, a like between the breakup and when I got married to be a time when I didn't do that mm -hmm. so that I s kind of forced myself to say, no, this, this time is for me. Right. I, I'm healing. I so you wait until you were married to start dating again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see how this works. Exactly. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then it was so funny. I mean, people were asking me like, so what happens on your wedding night? And I was like, I don't know. I, I, I don't need to get into that. And I, I don't need to that I need, know that I need to make a decision about it. But, but the funny thing about... I'm now envisioning all the wedding gifts being rabbits. Yeah, right? Right? <laughs> like, well, I did, I did have a gift registry <laughs> because I made a wedding website. Of course you it, did. It was like Siobhan and Siobhan. And it's like how we met. We met in the womb. You know, it, it, was, it was very right. silly. But I, my gift registry was all just like self-care stuff that I would never really take the time to get for myself, including fun stuff. Like, right. you know, a good vibrations gift certificate. So, Yeah. That was a lot of fun. I've been dating, and, and the people that um, I've been seeing have been all very enthusiastic about about the fact that I married myself. Mm -hmm. I think most people have been, like, just really kind of, once I explained to them what it was about, very much on board. I feel like when you first start dating, however old you are, and when you start doing that, you kind of hope that the people you're dating aren't broken. Right. Mm -hmm. And as you get more experienced with dating, you're like, no, no, no. Everybody has a grief case. Um, and, you know, it is OK to ask, hey, have you been working on yourself? Yeah. Because you're about to take on a whole other person's dreams, terrors, uh, traumas yeah. and all the things that come with it. And I think, I mean, it doesn't, that doesn't mean you have to carry it for them. But there is a lot of things that you intermingle your life with somebody else's to a degree. Mm -hmm. And there is, there is something very powerful about being able to have the level of intimacy to share some of the things that are scaring you or that are yeah. worrying you or that you are working on or that yeah. you have worked on. Yeah. Um, maybe not for the first date. But <laughs> <laughs> One of my questions that I love asking that people hate when I ask is, um, is there any questions that you wish I had asked you that I haven't yet? I I see a lot of emotion going through you. Right well, now. I'm like I'm like thinking. I'm trying to think about all the things that I've been so excited about for this, and I can't I can't think of like 
I mean, a little thing comes to mind, which is that my, I didn't know whether or not to post it on Facebook because I have Irish relatives <laughs> and I, I didn't know how they, they were going to handle having me marry myself. And my mom was actually over there at that time when I was having the wedding ceremony. And I think they were both alternately like, what's going on? Is she okay? Is she okay? I think a lot of people were wondering that. And, and also like once they saw the pictures of me in the dress and the bridesmaids and all the things, they were like, you let your daughter get married without you being there. Like, how, I mean, that's how real. dare she? That you is know? real. And, and fair enough. I mean, I really did want to have my mom there, but I also wanted the day to be about me and I wanted it to be healing and I wanted it to be really straightforward. And she was traveling and I, and I, and I didn't want to wait like for her to come back. I was like, right. I need this now. Yeah. I need to do it this. It was a thing. shotgun wedding is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to get this done. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Final question. Um, what is the one song you can't not dance to? I've been listening to a lot of Lizzo since since the breakup, and I'm torn between a bunch of hers. But I think that, I mean, Juice by Lizzo is pretty much inevitable. And I also listened to A Guilty Pleasure of Thank You Next by Ariana Grande. <laughs> and I have to say, it was just really, it was, It's about self-love. I mean, it's I about... Mean, a lot of music is written for catharsis. Yeah. Right? It's like you've got to get your sadness and anger out somehow. And I mean, I keep going to ecstatic dance just to shake out the sadness. And yeah. It's, it's working. You know, it's... Yeah. You got to do something. Yeah. Yeah. I did a lot of dancing. I think... Um, and thank you, Next. You know, <laughs> even though it's a pop song, it's about like... She's not hating on her exes. She's saying, I learned a lot from all of them, and now I'm in a better relationship with myself. I mean, that's literally the message of the song. And so I don't think you hear that in a lot of pop songs. I think you hear a lot of, I moved on, and I don't need you, and, like, I'm just fine. And, and that's a little different than, like, no, I learned stuff. Mm -hmm. And they were good people, mm -hmm. but it wasn't right. And now I've learned something, and I'm feeling better about myself. I mean, that's very different than... Aren't I making you jealous by being so great now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Chivon, <sighs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a delight to talk to you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, I guess one thing I would encourage is for people to, if they're interested in doing something like this, do it. Like, get your friends involved. Because... I did get my friends involved and they helped me with everything. They helped me like... I feel like at that point it was an unstoppable train. Yeah. They, it was like somebody's... They, one, one, one woman brought flowers and one woman made food and, and another person played guitar for me and it, it became kind of a community event and a community day. And I think that if we're like involving our community in our own healing, that that can be really nice for them and for us. Yeah. yeah. And I think... Um, Yeah, so if you feel inspired to do something like that, I say, do it. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. For more information about the Human Awareness Institute or our workshops, visit our website at hi.org. That's H-A-I dot org. 
Thank you so much for listening to May I Have This Dance. It was a pleasure to have you with us. See you soon. Bye bye.